Welcome to another podcast with Intelligent Adventists. We are going to be looking at Mark chapter 3, uh, the latter part of the chapter, and we will go through and discuss uh, the, the ordination of the 12 apostles and Jesus' relationship with his mother and brothers. So I will read verse 13. It says, And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him, and he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach, and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the, the twelve, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Blenegers, I guess, uh, the Sons of Thunder, uh, Andrew and Philip, and Bartholomew and Matthew, and Thomas and James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, He is out of his mind. Now I'm going to switch or skip to verse 31 and I'll read and it says and his mother and brothers came to came and standing outside they sent to him and called him and a crowd was sitting around him and they said to him your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you and he answered them who are my mother and my brothers and looking about those who sat around him he said here are my mother and my brothers for whomever whoever does the will of God he is my brother and sister and mother <coughs> so a little bit challenging for Jesus with the pressure from his family yeah and I think uh, it's something a lot of Christians can relate to because Christianity you know for, for some people it's easy but others have had to, to you know experience those kinds of things they've, they've had family turn on them they have friends turn on them um you know they've had to to leave behind the life that they grew up with and uh jesus wasn't spared any of that he he had to experience it and it, it must have been sad because the, the family had had 30 years of of just being with him they had a chance to know him they had a chance to see his life they definitely had conversations and yet somehow um you know the even even his own family didn't think uh, he was he was doing what he was supposed to be doing it's crazy because we're we're right now in the christmas season yeah and all the songs about whether mary knew and <laughs> whether or not you know the people that came to see her and all the things yeah. they brought and the signs and everything and after all that his mother really thought he'd gone mad yeah yeah so i think there, uh, we, we don't know the background of this story, but uh, according to the SDA Bible Commentary, right up till uh, just six months before his crucifixion, uh, his, his brothers actually didn't accept him. Yeah. So it was a, a little bit of a struggle for them to, to realize that their kid brother really was, uh, you know, who he really was. But for Mary, I find it really hard because she had seen angels and she had uh, experiences that were you know um, supernatural regarding his 
his birth and the flight to Egypt and back and you know obviously what you mentioned is the the unwritten part of scripture which is his life and all that evidence apparently had uh, yeah, she, she clearly believed in him because at the at the wedding of Kena she she told him like hey they ran out of wine so do something so she was expecting him to step up you know yeah but I think um, the trajectory that Jesus took was so unusual for them I mean they just they probably expected to see see him go a certain route and he probably took a very different direction with what he was doing with his life how he was yeah maybe maybe she also harbored nationalistic ambitions for him and she felt that maybe he was not uh, responding to the the popular uh, thing which was to you know allow them to crown him king essentially yeah. which he really was a king I mean Joseph came from the, the bloodline of of the Israeli kings so <clears throat> he should have uh, he should have just taken his rightful place on the throne and gone on and that's maybe that's why he was mad yeah yeah I mean like let's say let's say we were in his shoes and we had the intention of being the Messiah I mean what would we, what would we have done you know maybe we would have started our ministry even even going to go ahead and getting baptized with John the Baptist but then probably calling together all the Pharisees and Jewish leaders and saying hey um, I am uh, the appointed Messiah. Here's proof of my power, my authority, and and get getting going. I mean, that was the route. Yeah. The route would have been to to go through the appointed channels. Yeah, yeah. Not only go through the appointed channels, but also uh, begin the national effort to overthrow the Romans and restore the the rightful place of the temple worship uh, without any Roman control, and. Uh, yeah, cleanse the nation and, and uh, move it into greatness. So here, it seems like Jesus completely uh, had gone off uh, on off his script. own. Off script. Off script. And uh, they, they felt he was out of his mind. But uh, let's look at the, the calling of the twelve, the, the apostles. So he named them apostles. And the whole goal was that they would be sent out to preach. And I think this was the first time he actually started sending them out. To preach so that they would go uh, two by two and uh, visit different places heal people and present some of the messages that Jesus had presented and then they would come back for feedback and then he would send them back again and I think he did this on a on a regular basis with them so they got the experience of being out in the field without him and learning how to deal with uh, with the crowds and with people and and also maybe to prepare, uh, whatever, prepare people for Jesus coming itself. So, uh, yeah, let's talk a little bit about that ministry model, the apprenticeship model. Yeah, I think, uh, uh, you know, the fact that he selected 12, I mean, it seems that by this time he had quite a bit of a following, uh, but he restricted him, his, himself to, to a, a relatively s small number of people. Um but I think it makes sense to do that because he could give them their full attention and, you know, he could focus on 12 in a way he could not have focused on 30 or 50 or 100 people. And, um, and also there's the element from their side of things where they were able to have a certain level of confidence because he, he had taken them aside selected them from the crowd and gave them a kind of an authority uh, uh, an additional uh, calling or something 
so that when they did go out and they, they would run into people, run into situations, maybe run into other demoniacs like Jesus had, had dealt with, they wouldn't be scared because they had this, uh, this additional layer of confidence because of Jesus' uh, ordination. Yeah, so Jesus definitely, like you said, he, he restricted himself to a small number of people that he could actually interact with. And then from there, they were interacting with other people. He had as many as 70 disciples. So I'm sure that number, you know, expanded and, and went down depending upon his popularity and also their availability. But uh, the main goal with these particular disciples were that he chose them for a particular purpose. And they left their businesses and their work, their employment to be with him. So... <clears throat> When we think about, uh, let's talk about Judas for a second. Now, Judas was definitely uh, somebody who aligned himself with Jesus, but Jesus really didn't take him on as uh, somebody that he, he felt he needed, you know, he wanted. Yeah. But why is it that Jesus let Judas hang around? And why did he appoint him as an apostle? Why didn't he just have a quiet word with him and say, hey, uh, it's not possible that... Uh, that it's going to work out and you probably should go back to work yeah that's that's always an interesting question because you kind of <laughs> again kind of get it a little bit theological philosophical here but you kind of get into this catch-22 situation because it's like well the prophecy says that one that eats bread with you is going to turn against you but then it's like well he kind of allowed that prophecy to happen because he could have just not picked judas and uh you know, it's a little bit hard to figure out the, the sequence of that whole thing. Probably the easiest way to address it is to say, um, you know, he picked the disciples. Judas saw that he was picking the disciples and he, he insisted on being part of the group. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then the rest of the group insisted on Judas being there. You know, like, hey, yeah. we want this guy. Yeah, exactly. This guy's somebody that's probably going to... He's capable. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's going to give us uh, additional uh, uh, whatever... And he definitely was an ambitious guy. He, he knew where Jesus could be and uh, how to get there. Maybe he knew it better than... I know he felt that he knew it better than Jesus did. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> yeah, so there was this opportunity. But I think there was also this this opportunity in the beginning where the, the prophecy is conditional. I mean, Peter denied Jesus, and so did everybody else. Everybody else ran away. So, in the end... So Judas probably could have betrayed Jesus, but still come back and ask for forgiveness and been okay. But here it is that, um, in fact, he did come back and say to Caiaphas that, uh, you know, I, have sinned, yeah. uh, I have sinned and this is, uh, this is an innocent man. So he tried to make amends, but he just lost his way in terms of the, the rest of it. But going back to, to the, the, the question in the beginning, I think Jesus could have changed him if he if judas let him and for whatever reason judas never let jesus get all the way in and fix up the the areas of his life that were uh you know uh bad and uh and really give him a, a new uh, a new birth so yeah and i think i think there's uh you know to kind of think of other examples and again we're jumping ahead here but um, when you have Peter, Peter 
does random stuff sometimes sometimes he kind of you know speaks out of turn and uh and jesus sometimes rebukes him for it and you know peter could could have just gotten offended and said hey i, I don't need to put up with this you know like when when jesus said hey get thee behind me satan i mean that would have been an embarrassment for peter after after he had just commended him for for recognizing him as the messiah now he's calling him satan and peter could have said hey i, I don't need to put up with this like i'm i'm somebody i'm you know i'm i'm an of age you know I'm, I'm an older gentleman here you know i'm probably older than jesus i don't need to be disrespected like this in front of uh, the other disciples and yet somehow peter uh, just accepted the rebuke and 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 over time kind of changed while judas when he was rebuked because of over at simon's house he had uh, you know when mary magdalene poured out the the on jesus's feet and he said, why, why is this money being wasted? And, and, and Judas kind of snapped a little bit, you know, like, no, this is, let her do what she needs to do. It seems like Judas didn't like it. You know, that's one of the, one of the things that kind of build up to him turning yeah. on Jesus. You know? Yeah, yeah. That was the last straw for Judas. But I think, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think the teachability part was lacking for, for, uh, for Judas in this situ in in this particular discipleship yeah. situation, and he was not willing to submit himself completely to Jesus' di direction and correction, uh, at least from the examples that are given in Scripture. And so I think there was uh, there was uh, a disconnect there that was not ever uh, resolvable, but it wasn't uh, for you know Jesus. Um, it wasn't for any lack on Jesus' part. It was just Judas's issue. Yeah. Um, I was going to mention to you, this to you in a in a conversation later today, but I actually heard a, a phone call that my father had with somebody um, in Pakistan, some student of his, and um, for whatever reason, the the phone call went south, and my my father took the guy to task because uh, he was. Uh, my father was trying to, I don't know, he was trying to uh, gently correct him about something. And uh, the guy wasn't taking the correction too well. And so my father just like laid into him like, you know, the old days as a teacher, you know. And uh, it just went on and on and on. And I was like, man, that guy's, got, you know, he's going to hang up any moment. He's going to hang up any moment, you know. But he wouldn't hang up. And my father just kept talking to him for like 20 minutes or so. Uh, as he was like leaning into him for for whatever the the issue was, you know, and uh, <clears throat> I guess I mean culture is different and everything, but I know from the culture from that Asian culture, uh, it, it, when you're in a teaching uh, teacher student situation, the student is supposed to accept everything the master gives, because you're you're there to learn, yeah. and uh, so in this situation uh, where Jesus was, where he made these. Uh, men his disciples and called them apostles he was in a teaching situation they called a master they accepted his teachings and they accepted his way of life which is a very poor way of life uh, poverty wise but they they were there in a position to be to be taught and so jesus had the full authority to to correct them as he saw necessary and he did but the difference as you brought up was that some of them could take the correction uh, no matter how embarrassing it was, and Judas ended up being one of those who couldn't. 
and uh, he helped he kept his pride concealed because they were fooled all the way to the end i mean the disciples really believed that judas of all the people would be would be faithful and the yeah. most capable and everything and it turned out that he was the one that that gave jesus away yeah. so yeah. yeah what a lesson for us it's an amazing lesson all right i think this is uh, a good place for us to stop for this particular uh, session uh, part and i we covered the the issues with with uh, family i will say this that uh, there is a balance to be kept between doing ministry and providing for your family yeah and i think that a lot of people uh, neglect their wives and their kids uh, at the cost to their effectiveness long-term effectiveness in ministry and uh, jesus definitely not uh, advocating for that and at the same time i think that Jesus was making a point and that was that he had a very particular mission and he was there to accomplish something and he wasn't going to let his brothers and mother stand in the way of him accomplishing that and uh, that is why he uh, and he also did not want them to have uh, a special line to him especially when they were um, actually trying to dissuade him from doing what he needed to do yeah, yeah. but it shows at the end if you look at the arc of Jesus life at the end one of the very last things he did was provide for his mother through John. So he did take care of, of his parents and especially his mother because uh, his father was dead by then. But um, you can see, you can see this, this story and I think there's some balancing element to this story and it cannot be taken out of context. Yeah. But that was uh, how Jesus was confronted with the situation and he dealt with it as best as he could.